0: Lord, we just pray that it would be your voice this morning that's heard, God. It would be your words that are spoken. Um, You would come and impart vision and strength and encouragement for us to run forward into the things you have for us, God. And I pray we would leave this place different as we encounter you. In your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. So I want to talk about who the Holy Spirit is, how we walk with him. Before we get there, I want to share something that God laid on my heart at the beginning of the year. I am coming to the party a bit late as I realize it's March. And we've probably made and broken all our New Year's resolutions by now. But I do feel it's relevant for us and where we're at. And so I felt God saying that he wanted us to risk in him this year. That he hasn't created us to be safe and comfortable Christians. But he's created us to be bold and to take ground for his kingdom. In fact, that would be the worst thing for me is if I went and asked someone, how was church this morning? And they said, yeah, it was comfortable. You know, worship was comfortable. The sermon was comfortable. The saints were comfortable. Even the demons were comfortable. Then i would be worried. And God wants to come and he wants to shake us up. He wants to get us off the couch. He wants to get us moving for him. And it reminds me of a story uh, about uh, a couple of years ago. I turned 40. I won't say exactly when and give away my age. But like any rational 39-year-old, I approached this with the right mindset. And that was kicking and screaming in absolute denial. And I was thankful that my family and my friends around to support me during this difficult time. And I'm just yeah, I'm just joking, it wasn't that bad. I was delighted to find out that being a child of the 80s, I was actually a millennial, much to the horror of the other millennials. And so that was very encouraging. But I remember sitting on the couch one day and just reflecting on what God had been doing in my life and thinking about turning 40. And the thing that scared me was not turning 40. I've seen God use people in their 90s. I don't remember Peggy, who was in our uh, church a while ago. She was 90 and she was stage diving and going on outreaches and counting for Jesus. And it wasn't turning 40 that scared me. It was the fact that would I be 50 and sitting on the couch in the same place 10 years later and not having counted for God at all. And that was the thing that really hit home for me. And my prayer to God was, God, please work in me and change me and let me get off the couch and be used for you. And Andrew Silley posted a picture when he was doing a sermon uh, last year, and this was the picture that he had. And it was a powerful prophetic picture that someone sent him about horses that were escaping from the carousel of life and being used. And that is my vision for us this morning, that maybe we feel stuck going round and round in circles. Our life has movement to it, but it's not actually going anywhere. We're not being used for God. We're not being counted for God. And he's saying, I want us to risk. I want us to break free and run into the freedom that God has for us. And nothing would hold us back, even a bit of back pain. And so we need to risk. And I'm not talking about mindless, pointless risks. David risked when he fought Goliath. He could have lo- lost his life. But he had already beaten the lions. And he had beaten the bears. And so when he stood up, it was a faith risk that God had. And he went and he defeated Goliath. And he took a whole nation into more. I'm also not talking about a safe, calculated risk. Where we say, okay, Luke, I've weighed up all the options. I've prayed about it. I've spoken to my friends. I've looked at all the pros and cons. I'm ready to risk going to community tonight. It's not that kind of thing. That risk for you... It could be going on the streets and sharing the gospel. It could be going on the outreach for the first time. It could be bringing a prophetic song or prophetic word. It could be stepping up in community. Whatever the risk is, I want you to ask yourself, how am I going to risk for God this year or tomorrow or this week? We need to risk for him because then we'll grow. God asked me to risk for him many years ago. Um, I'll never forget this story because it's extremely uncomfortable. And I was at my previous job, and the directors, we had it, We were working with an international company. It was a multi-billion dollar company. And they were sending their MD over to come and spend the week with us to generate new business. And so the boss said to me, I want you to look after this lady who's coming. She's very important to our business. Take her around, introduce her to the clients, get to know her, and then um, yeah, just make sure she has a good idea of what our company does. And so for the week, I took her around, and we went and visited clients. Business-wise, everything went well. Saturday, we went out for lunch, and Keen and I um, were chatting to her, and she was extremely broken. She had come from a terrible divorce, very traumatic, very broken um, she was really struggling, with it. in fact she was saying in France at the time, they no longer did marriage vows of till death do us part, they did contracts a 5 year, a 10 year, a 15 year contract, and you could elect the time of a contract you would have, and when you got near to it, you are like, hey baby do you want to renew, no you're good, okay, move on want someone else, and you just sign a contract with someone else so that was the level of deception which they were walking in, and she was coming so broken out of that and we got to encourage her and spend time with her and really chat to her, and I thought it was going really well and then we took it to the airport and dropped her off and took her through security and we're saying our goodbyes. And as we're saying goodbye to her, <clears throat> I felt uh, the Holy Spirit say to me, I want you to pray for her. And so I thought, Lord, can you be a bit more specific? And he said, yes. I want you to lay hands on her in the airport and pray for her right now, a blessing where she travels. I had a sinking feeling. I, was, I thought that's what you meant. And so I remember saying to her, do you mind if we pray for you? Just a blessing as you travel. And she was like, hmm, okay. And so I started to reach out my hand, and this look of fear came on her face. And she was like, I think my flight's going. I've got to go. And she just ran off in the opposite direction. Her flight was about three hours away still, so I think she was safe. And I think if she could have run all the way back to France, she probably would have done. She looked that freaked out. And afterwards, I was like, oh, what have I done? I remember spending the whole weekend waiting and dreading for that call from my bosses saying, what have you done? We gave you one job. And that was to look after this lady, and you freaked her out. You're fired. And then, it was a long weekend, uh, Sunday evening, we got a message from her just saying, thank you so much for spending time with me, for loving me. I feel so much healing that's come through the words you shared and sharing about God with her. And she's looking forward to talking to us again more. And then on the Monday morning, we got a message um, from our directors saying that she sent a message to them saying she had one of the most incredible weeks she's had she found it super successful and she was giving us the biggest order that our company had ever seen. And God took a step of faith to really break something open. But there was a risk involved. And I want to say when God's asking you to risk for him, step out and risk with faith and he'll come through. And so this morning is a time of steps. It's time to step up. It's time to step out in faith. And it's time to step into what God has for you. And we can only do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to look at who the Holy Spirit is. I'm going to cover a little bit of what Luke did last week, just as a refresher, um, and for those who weren't listening. But also, I want to give a whole lot of stories and testimonies of just how God is. I've seen him work in people's lives um, when carrying the Holy Spirit and when, and when stepping out. And so I want to start by looking at John 16, verse 7. Now this is Jesus talking to the disciples, and he was giving them quite a shock. He said, Never- nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, meaning the Holy Spirit. But if I go, I will send him to you. This must be mind-blowing for the disciples. They had seen this is Jesus, the living God, in person, doing amazing miracles, um, setting people free. And they're thinking, why is it better for Jesus to go? Surely, what could replace Jesus? The reality is Jesus was in bodily form in only one place at one time. And he was sending the Holy Spirit, also the living God, to live in each one of us. To speak to us and guide us. And there was such power that came with that. And so I want to look at some characteristics of the Holy Spirit. Because as we get to know who He is and how He operates, it makes it easier for us to walk with Him. So first of all, the Holy Spirit is a person. He is not an it. I know some people refer to the Holy Spirit as it. I think that might be quite offensive for Him. If someone said to Kina, where's Dave? And she said, it's playing soccer. I wouldn't be too uh, fond of that. And He as a person has feelings. He loves. He speaks. He encourages You can grieve him, probably by calling him it, instead of him. And he's a person we can connect with, and we need to develop that relationship, even right now, to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I want to spend time with you and get to know who you are. It's not a difficult thing. Number two, he's part of the Trinity. He's one with the Father and the Son. He was there in the beginning of time. It says in Genesis, the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the water as everything was being created. He is an amazing part of the Trinity. Luke 3, verse 22 talks about when Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit descending like a dove on Jesus, and the Father saying, "This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased." And I love that aspect of just the whole Trinity working together. God encouraging through His Spirit, comforting, speaking to Jesus, and it's the same with one of us. The Trinity operates when we're being spoken to. Number three, <clears throat> He's called the Paraclete, which is from the word Parakletos, which is Greek, which is made up of para and kalon. Para meaning alongside or beside, and kalon meaning called. So the Holy Spirit's name literally from the Greek means called alongside. And I love this in John 14 verse 16. Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even spirit of truth. And Jesus saying, come Holy Spirit, calling him. I want you to walk alongside Dave. He's broken. He's full of sin. He needs help. Can you walk with him? And that is literally what his name is, to be called and to walk alongside. And that's what he does. We experienced that recently. We've been uh, encouraging our kids to go for um, bicycle rides around the complex, and Karen decided now is the time to go without training wheels. I was more scared than she was, and I was like, okay, we can try this. So I took her her training wheels, and I said, I'm going to run alongside you. And so I started by running with both hands on both sides of the handlebars so there was no chance she could fall. And she looked quite unstable. In fact, I think I was helping less. And then I just put hand, one hand on the one handlebar, and she started to get her balance. And I was just tilted a little bit this a little bit right, a little bit left. And by the end of it, I was just carefully holding the back of the saddle, and she was getting it. And she was starting to ride with confidence. And by the end of it, when we got back home, and Liam and Karen came around and celebrated her, she was riding on her own, and I was just running next to her, encouraging her, you can do this. And that's what an example of the Spirit is for me. That sometimes He walks close to us. Sometimes we will fall. Paul talks about us running our race. I don't think it's an easy race, just around the track. I think it's a race with hurdles. And the Holy Spirit says, jump now, move here. And if we trip over the first hurdle, we're like, I'm done. This is too hard. And the Holy Spirit's like, get up. You can do it again. He runs alongside us all the time. Number four, he guides us. John 16, verse 13. When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. John 14, verse 6. says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus guides us into that truth. I love it. The problem is we don't always want to hear the truth. We can be quite stubborn, or well, maybe it's just me. Maybe the rest of you are really obedient. But there are times where God says, "I want you to do this," and I am like, "God, I, th- I think I know better." And I heard this wonderful story; it's a very old story about how thinking you know better can get you in real trouble. And this is um, an actual radio conversation between a U.S. naval ship and a Canadian, um, uh, the Canadian authorities. And the U.S. naval ship they picked up what they thought was another vessel, and so uh, the Canadians, and they sent them this transcript, um, and the Americans said. Good day, unknown vessel, please divert your course 15 degrees to the north to avoid a collision. The Canadian Navy, we recommend you divert your course 15 degrees to the south to avoid a collision. The Americans, this is captain of the U.S. Navy ship. I say again, divert your course. The Canadians, no, I say again, you divert your course. The American Navy, this is the aircraft carrier USS Lincoln, the second largest ship in the United States Atlantic Fleet. We are accompanied by three destroyers and three cruisers. I demand that you change your course 15 degrees north. That's 1-5 degrees north, or countermeasures will be taken. Canadian Navy, this is the lighthouse, your call. <laughs> and it's funny, but we can actually shipwreck our faith over misunderstanding and not wanting to follow what God does. We must learn to listen to him, even when we think we know better. The Holy Spirit is our advocate, our defender, our supporter our comforter, our helper. He acts as an interpreter. Hans mentioned uh, the guys are here from Holland. We spent some time with them while Russell was doing some training. And I was quite impressed. There was this guy sitting in the corner speaking the whole time through, and I was wondering, what is this guy doing? And then I saw little earpieces on a lot of the Dutch guys' uh, ears, and I realized he was live translating Russell as Russell was speaking uh, into Dutch, and he didn't miss a beat. Afterwards, every single person knew exactly what Russell said, and Russell was actually speaking quite fast. And I was like, that is amazing that this guy could translate like that. And the Holy Spirit's constantly doing that. He's taking God's words, he's speaking to us and saying, this is what he's saying, this is what he's doing. Uh, That's that's an example of a good interpreter. I haven't preached with an interpreter before, but hearing stories from the guys from Brazil, I've heard what it's like to have a bad interpreter. And that looks like this. When you do a whole long speech, and it's three or four sentences long, and you think you really hit it, and he just goes... And it's like one sentence and you're like, wait a minute, what happened there? Or you make a point that God loves you and the person goes on for about two minutes and everyone laughs at the end and you're thinking, that's not what I said. And that's what the enemy can be like. He'll come and he'll twist the words. He'll add to what God is saying or he'll try to take away from what God's saying. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. We need to know his voice so he can translate and he can interpret for us what God's saying. When he uses us, he brings out our spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit himself is a gift. Luke 11 verse 13. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It is a gift to have the Holy Spirit. If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, ask someone to pray for you that you'll be given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And as he operates in you, we'll see those gifts of the prophetic and of uh, intercession and of healing come through our lives. And I heard a story of This pastor, he was in the States, and he had been asked to um, preach in a church in Texas. And it was quite a big thing for them. They'd gathered all the churches and asked him to come speak to them. So he got there, and his time came up, and worship had ended. And as he got onto the stage, he felt the Holy Spirit say, I want you to speak in tongues. And he started, he started speaking in tongues. And he thought, okay, it's been a minute. What's going on? And then the Holy Spirit's like, keep going. Five minutes. After 10 minutes of speaking in tongues, the congregation started looking around each other wondering, okay, what's happening here? He was like, I wish a big hole would just open right now and drop me through it because this is very uncomfortable. 15 minutes he went to speaking in tongues. On the 20th minute, when he said something, a lady from the back stood up and started screaming. and She ran forward to him and he said, what's going on? And this lady said that her daughter was on a missions trip in South America. And she was working into a village that took two days to get there. And often she would come back. She'd be working there for about 10 years. Often she would come back and she would teach her parents the dialect and the language of the village that um, she had been uh, uh, working into. And they'd obviously spoken and told their mom uh, this dialect. And her mom said two days ago they got a telegram for the village. And the telegram said this, your daughter's sick with a disease. She thought it sounded like a boat or something like that. She said, we won't make it to a hospital in time. She's going to die in two days. Where do you want us to send the body? And she said, when the pastor got to the 20th minute and said in um, spoken tongues, he spoke in the dialect of that village, and the words he spoke was, the Lord has heard your prayer, your daughter is healed. And they got feedback that two days later, she got a telegram, your daughter's been healed and she's going to keep working with us, just like that. And they said the time it occurred was the exact moment he'd been speaking in tongues at that church meeting. And I can tell you, to go to a church meeting and think, I'm never going to be invited back if I speak in tongues, and then to see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is why we need to risk for God, why we need to hear his voice. We don't do it out of our own accord. He convicts the world of sin, which is a good thing. Through Adam's um, original sin, we are separated from God forever. It is only through Jesus that we can be with him again for eternity. But it's a constant, ongoing battle against sin. Because even though we're saved, the enemy still wants to try to take us out. Galatians 5, verse 16 to 18 says, so I say, walk, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit was contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. And I don't know about you guys, but I find this ongoing tussle all the time between the flesh and the Spirit. What I want and what God wants. And with the Holy Spirit, he empowers us to resist and to um, break out against that. Even Paul the Apostle struggled with this. He says in Romans, it's hard sometimes, the thing he does. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. For what I hate, I do. And he says it's a sinful nature. And he goes on to say, for what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Have you ever had that moment where you've spoken to someone and you're like, oh, why did I say that? Or why did I do that? Or when your boss asks you something, you're like, oh, I just omitted that one thing. It's not really going to make a difference. And then you're like convicted of it. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Like with Karu, when she shared that testimony of her work. And do I say exactly why I can't do this? And she did. And God totally honored that and came through for her. We're convicted of, um, of, our, of, of <clears throat> our sin. When we walk closely with him, we have the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. If we want to walk in these things, we have to walk with the Spirit. And so that's a summary of who the Spirit is um, and some of his aspects. I want to look at the practicals of so how do we walk with the Spirit. Number one, if you're taking notes, get to know about him. Spend time with him. We've been doing that for the last two weeks, so hopefully that's a tick ready. Number two, spend time on the Word. It's His living Word. As you spend time on the Word, you'll get to know Him, and you'll get to understand who He is, and He'll speak to you. Number three, practice hearing His voice. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. Luke spoke earlier about with Samuel, when Samuel was living with Eli, and Samuel heard God's voice, and he said, Samuel, and he says, yes, and he thought it was Eli, and three times. And I can tell you, God's not playing hide-and-seek game, where He's going, Samuel, Samuel, and He's trying to confuse Him. He's saying. Samuel, clearly, I want you. When Samuel understood it was God, he said, God, I am your servant. Use me as you will. And God wants to speak. I don't know if you um, <clears throat> use WhatsApp, but if you're having a WhatsApp conversation with someone, and you send a message, and you see it's being received, and they've got these two gray ticks, and then you wait with anticipation. Because you've either said something funny or something fundamental, and then you see it goes blue, and you're like, they've seen my message. And then they're typing, and you get excited. That's what our relationship with God should be like when we're expectant for him to speak to us. But often, you're like, God, you're not speaking to me. What's going on? Meanwhile, he sent a message, and it's sitting there with two great ticks, and you're busy on 40 other WhatsApp groups, whether it's whatever, surfing or work or these things, and God's like, I've sent you a message, and you're not getting it. We need to set aside everything. If you spend time with God in the morning, put off your phone, put aside all other distractions, and be, God, I want to hear from you this morning. Practice PIF. I just made that up. You're welcome to use it in your general conversations. PIF, P-I-F, practice instant forgiveness. It's what the Spirit would do. Practice asking the Spirit before reacting. When was the last time before reacting to what someone said or someone did? Did you stop and be, I'm going to pause. I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit. I'd like to say that with the kids, where they're having a big fight, she did this and he did that. And they go, Dad, Dad. And I'll say, yes, my, my children, how may I serve you? and not be, what? No. Or, if you're cut off in traffic, I doubt our typical response is normally, Lord, will you bless him, and may the sun shine on him, and we trust the best from him. That is not our normal reaction if someone cuts you off in traffic. And I want to say, take a moment. It will help you walking out with the Spirit to pause, and be, God, what are you doing in this situation? Don't let your emotions come in and start to distract you. Ask him for help. Ezekiel 36 verse 27 says, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and obey my rules. I love that picture um, Bianca shared in the prayer meeting this morning where she said, God is not this white-bearded person sitting above the clouds so distinct from us with a set of rules, constantly checking, are we ticking off each rule and punishing us if we're not? He is a close personal savior. Sent his son to die on a cross for us so we could encounter him. And there's a joy every time I pray for someone, or we see demons um, being cast out, and we see people encountering the living God. There's a joy that rises up in me because it's part of our relationship with him. And I love that relationship, I wouldn't change it for anything else. There are times though that we can resist the spirit. And I remember when I used to live in town. And I'd had a very long day at work. And you know when you've got a plan, you're like, this is my plan for the evening. My plan was to have this pizza. I'd been waiting the whole week for it. And I went past Da Vinci's, you know, this pizza place. And I'd ordered it beforehand so I could go past off to work and pick it up and go straight work and enjoy my pizza. And um, I remember when I got there, uh, one of the gardeners was leaving. And I felt God saying to me, I want you to give him your pizza. And I was like, Oof. no, no, God, you know." Like, I worked hard this week. I deserve this pizza, you know. I've been looking, you know I've been looking forward to it, God. And you say, if we ask from you, will you not give to us? And I've asked for this pizza, God, and this is my pizza. And he was like, I want you to give it to the, the gardener. And I was like, I'm willing to take the hit on this one, God, but no. Like, it's, it's not going to happen. But he just, I couldn't shake that feeling. And so I was like, okay. And so as he was walking past, I said to the gardener, I felt God wanted me to bless you with this pizza. And he was just blown away because they didn't have enough money. They hadn't eaten for the last two days as a family. He said they had pizza maybe once a year, and that was it. And I instantly felt like, oh, what, like, what did I almost miss out on? And then when we got back to the flat, and I'm not saying there's a reward system in place. I'm just saying this is a testimony of what happened. We got a message from two of the girls who stayed in, in the flat, as well, in the complex. And they invited my roommate and I around, and they said, hey, we just cooked this amazing meal, and we'd love to have you guys around for dinner. And would we like to come for dinner tonight? And we went down and we had this amazing meal with these two ladies that laid out this huge spread. And I suddenly realized, you know what? If I hadn't listened to the Spirit in that time, not only would I have denied what he did in the gardener's life and blessing him, I would have missed out on this meal that he wanted to share with us with these these ladies. And I think there's something in withholding what God wants to do that costs others around us but also costs us. And there will be a cost. And sometimes there won't be a reward that comes out of it. But I want to say, don't worry about the cost. Be obedient to what God's doing. One of the ways to walk with the Spirit is to practice your gifts. If you have a prophetic word, or if there's intercession, or healing, or deliverance, or worship, or administration, whatever gift God has given you, practice that gift, and you will learn to hear the Spirit through it. Hans is a very Spirit-led worship leader. It's amazing just to see there's an anointing, but it's because he's practiced hearing God, and he's practiced walking in that gift. And we all can. If you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, ask your community group leader or those around you to pray for you to show you what are my spiritual gifts because I want to walk in them and I want to practice them. Ooh, I want to skip this one, but I won't. Put to death sin in your life and the evil desires, and you will hear them more clearly. Sin in our life is one of the main reasons that we don't hear God and we don't hear Him clearly. Last week, Lawrence brought a word about um, she had one blocked ear and she said she felt for the congregation. It's as if some people were hearing God clearly but others were trying to hear Him through this blocked ear. And that's what sin does. We can't hear Him clearly because we've got this ear that's blocked up with all this gunk. And just like that, we can ask for forgiveness. We can repent of our sin and we can hear Him clearly again. Put the sin in your life to death. And if you're struggling with that, Ask someone to help you. Be accountable with others. Say, please pray for me as I put these things to death. Pray in the Spirit. Sometimes when you don't know what to pray, just start praying in tongues, in the Spirit, and He'll bring words and He'll bring um, His voice to you. Pray for others in the morning if you're struggling as well to hear God's voice. Just start praying for someone else. I remember when I first joined the church, I don't know if you know Julian and Chantel, but Julian Goldswain was my home group leader, and he spent time every morning Praying for all the saints. He didn't have to tell me that he put the list of all the community members on the back of his bathroom door. And he would sit there and look at all the names and pray through all the people. But it was amazing the words that he came up with. And I was going through a time once where I couldn't just hear God's voice. I had no vision. And he sent me this message saying, I saw you standing in front of a a steamed up uh, bathroom window, bathroom mirror. And he said, I saw a picture of a hand coming and wiping the steam clear. And you've been able to see clearly. And he sent me a scripture with that. Pray for others, and you'll find the Holy Spirit will speak so clearly to you as you do so. Weigh what you feel against Scripture. Be careful of going with your emotions. I remember when I was walking out with um, a young guy, and he was going through, um, starting to get into a relationship. He had a very similar story to keep in mind. And so every week he would get hold of me. And he met this girl, and he said, you know what? I love this girl. She's so beautiful. In fact, the more I see her and the more beautiful I realize she is, the more peace I have, you know. I've really got peace. The most time we spend together, like, I just get more and more peace. And then they had a big fight and an argument. And he came to me and said, Dave, you know, we had this big argument. I'm losing my peace. Like, (laughs) as he realized it was a bit more difficult than he thought. And God's peace is not something that he gives and takes away and gives and takes away. Those are your emotions and your feelings. God's peace is a constant. Once we've heard his voice and we've heard his will for us, his peace is there for us. Don't trust your emotions. Spend time with others. If you see others who are walking in the spirit and who are hearing God clearly, just spend time with them. Say, hey, can I come out and hang with you and hear your voice and um, hear his voice through them? And the last one, step out. I don't know if you remember when we had the time of uh, three days of fasting and we all got together as a church. Uh, we had a prophetic time and Courtney brought a word about keys. And God used that word to minister to so many people powerfully on the night through that one word that she brought, and God can speak to any one of you to bring that key that can unlock what He wants to do. And so, don't um, don't be afraid to bring that word. Um, Justin then brought a word after that about God wants to change our identity, and that's exactly what He did. He Came and changed people's identity over that time. And so, I want to encourage us: if you're feeling God speaking to you, step out, be used, share that gospel message with your your colleagues or your boss. Go on an outreach. Just do whatever you can to step out and risk for God. 1 Samuel 10 verse 67 says, The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you. And you'll prophesy with them. And you'll be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do. For God is with you. And my, my prayer for each one of us is as the Spirit comes onto us, we will be different people. And we will Do whatever God puts in our hands for Him. And so I wanted to end off with a testimony of God doing this exact thing. And we had a church that uh, came to visit us many years ago, and um, they were super spirit filled. And at that time, being a little bit conservative as an engineer, I found it quite challenging. I was like, God, is this even you speaking? It seems a bit strange. I remember one time in one of the services, they said, Guys, I want you to imagine you've got this big bowl. And you're just drinking in the Holy Spirit. Everyone now, just lift up your hands, just drink in the Holy Spirit. And I was like, this is weird. (laughs) Like, what are you doing, God? But there was something of a faith and an expectation that these guys brought with them that released the supernatural and the power. And so we did something called a treasure hunt with them. I don't know if everyone knows what that is. But basically what you do is we would sit on a Saturday and we met and we would listen for words of knowledge that God wanted to share. And we would write them down on a piece of paper. And so words came up like um, Adidas shoes, blue jeans, uh, red top with white stripes, um, or someone's name, or someone falling off a horse. And so we wrote down all these words of knowledge. And then we hit the streets. And we went out. And we looked to see if we could see someone's, um, someone that the words of knowledge was speaking about. And it wasn't long before we got to a point where someone was sitting on the beach looking at a park bench. And this guy was wearing Adidas shoes. Blue jeans and this red top with white stripes. And we felt God saying, These are the words that I have for this person. And so a couple of us went over to him and we said, Hey, sorry to bother you, but. And I actually didn't know what to say. I was just like, God loves you. And as I said this, the guy started crying. And he said he had come to the beach to commit suicide and he wanted to end it. And he'd asked God for a word that day that God would tell him he loved him. And as I shared that, it broke something. And he said, he's not going to do it anymore. He's got vision again. God loves him. And as we walked away from that, on the side of the boarding was spray painted the numbers 28. And someone had also felt the word of 28. And God just, every part of that journey was confirming what he was doing through his word. We um, prayed for another guy on the street. And uh, we said, what happened to your, your uh, leg? It was in a cast and he would fallen off a horse. And he had broken his bone. And that was also one of the prophetic words that had come through. And we prayed for him then, and the, the funny thing was he wasn't, saved, he wasn't saved or healed that moment. But we encouraged him to go to visit a, uh, one of the communities in Sunningdale. And he went and did that two weeks later, and they prayed for him, and instantly his leg was healed. He was running the, around the church building just shouting and uh, with such excitement and gave his life over to Jesus. But then <clears throat> at the end of the day, there was one word left. It was little, L-I-D-D-L-E. And we were trying to figure out, did someone hear wrong? Did someone mean to write little? What does it mean? We didn't see any little people when we were going around. Like, Maybe it was just a fluke. And then Keenan said to me, there's a girl in your work whose surname's is Little, isn't it? And I said, oh, you're right. And so on Monday morning, I went and I said to her, this is going to sound quite strange, but uh, we did something called a treasure hunt, and I told her about it. And your name came up. And she looked a bit like weirded out and said, okay. And I said, mm-hmm. I don't know what God's going to do, but I feel he's going to do something in your life, and he's going to do it at the very last minute, and that was it. That was all I, I felt for him. and I actually ended up changing jobs that month, and I left, and um, she gave me a call, and she said, this is what had happened. She said um, it was coming to the end of the month, and they'd put a deposit down on a house, and um, her boyfriend's, her, sorry, her husband's job. Uh, that said to him, basically, we're not lab- able to afford people anymore. And so we're going to have to retrench most of the staff. And you're probably going to be one, one of the ones that's going to be retrenched. And she said, we were going to lose the house and we we're going to lose everything. And then she said, so we prayed, as you said for us to pray. And on the last day, a big order came into their company. And it changed everything. everything was be- was, everyone was able to keep their jobs. Her Her, her husband was promoted. And he was given a promotion bonus that equaled the exact same amount as the deposit they'd put down, and it all happened at the very last minute, at the last day. And she shared that with me, and she was so excited to just hear more about God and how to hear His voice. And so I shared a bit more with her, and then she phoned me two weeks later, and she said they'd been to the doctor, and she said that the doctor said, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to have children because you have precancerous cells that have become cancerous in your stomach, and we're going to have to operate and probably cut out so much um, there that you won't be able to have kids. And she was like, okay, Dave, so I just did what you said, I prayed. And I just prayed for it. She wasn't even saved yet. She didn't know God. She says, I just prayed for myself. Lord, just make this all go away (laughs) in faith. And she said a week later, they went for a checkup, and she was completely healed. There was not a single cancerous cell. She was able to have kids. They have two children now. We're still in contact with them. And there was something God did through one name on one word of knowledge, through stepping out, and being used. And so I want to trust for each one of us that there's been a lot of theory of how we hear the Holy Spirit. How do we walk with the Holy Spirit? But we would risk for Him this year. We would step out, and we will be used. And so I'd love, maybe Hans can come up again. Um, And I'd love us now, just to spend time, I'm not going to get us to pray for each other. I'm not even going to pray for you right now. I just want us all to stand together and just ask the Holy Spirit to come and speak to you, to envision you, And so let's do that now. Let's just stand together and just ask the Holy Spirit to come and to speak to us.